Ladies and gentlemen, you are most indubitably welcome to the Talking Stories podcast from the National Leprechaun Museum. I am Paddy Holly, of course, and I am joined by the marvellous, the splendiferous Mr. Marco Giron. How are you today, Mark? I'm good. That's the second time you have uh, described me as splendiferous, and I'm going to start believing it. <laughs> um, I'm eventually going to look up and see what it, what it actually means. Uh, but it, it, in, indubitably, that's your word of the day. That's today, my indu- that's my indubitable <laughs> word of the day. <laughs> uh, definition: uh, undeniable, unquestionable. Use it in a sentence. Um, use it in. Uh, I am indubitably happy to be working in the National Leprechaun Museum. Country of origin. I'm doing this in the style of a spelling bee. <laughs> <laughs> Paddy, it's great to have you back. It's great you haven't been on, uh, haven't been on the podcast in a couple of few, couple of episodes. No, no, no. Um, yeah, it's good to have you have you back on. I think you got a boost there recently. You're doing some tours, and I had to listen for a good thirty minutes after your tour to your uh, your audience telling me what an amazing voice you had. Aww, that's, uh, that's absolutely aww. wasted on you. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely wasted on you. But uh, yeah, it's great to have you back on the podcast. And we've got a story today from from Lenny on the podcast. We'll get yeah, to in a little yeah, while. Yeah. So, um, are you full of the joys of spring, Mark? I am actually, yeah. I've been out a fair bit recently. Uh, I went off, I was kicking around Kildare for a bit last week. Uh, went for a walk in Bushy Park yesterday, collecting reeds. Lovely. Uh, I've, been, I've been enjoying the outdoors. Lovely. I'm really looking forward to spring. I like. There's already a grand stretch in the evening, as they say. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, were, uh, you were trailing up and down the, was it the Boyne River? Um, yeah, well, I, I, was, I was knocking around uh, Bridget's kind of... Uh, Stomping ground, which is actually my old stomping ground as well. Right. We didn't know each other. Uh, I'm sure we probably <laughs> passed by each other on the street uh, a number of times. You, but, uh, you were that monk on her deathbed. I was the monk that, on her <laughs> who encased his arm in silver, so it would never touch anything ever again. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't get the for us, but yeah, yeah. it's because when it comes to stories of Bridget, she stands out more than anyone. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, she doesn't really play second fiddle. I know. I know people have tried to kind of like pop Patrick in ahead of her there, but she's also finally getting her own own holiday next year. Yeah, well, the um, I, Ireland around that time, the gender roles in the church weren't as fixed as they are now. Yeah, uh, definitely for certain in Ireland anyway, the women held more leadership roles, and it it wasn't uncommon as well in monasteries and convents to to find uh, couples. Yeah, but they're studying together. Makes more sense. I wish they kept things as simple as that. Yeah. The few barriers you put in the way, the more people will flock towards something. But too it's many barriers. True. Yeah. True. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the daffodils come up. Really yeah, like I always them. love that. I love that <laughs> in my area. Like there's always like it's great, and you see the kids out picking them where they shouldn't. Yes. Where the council have put them down, or all along like kind of the footpaths and in the. The islands, you know, and roundabouts are all like covered in yellow. Yeah, it's a great, great color in Ireland. Spring and the the uh, the bluebells start coming up and the the snowdrops and everything. Yeah. It, it's really, really lovely time to to take a walk around Ireland. Yeah. yeah, and it 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 I find as well because the winter is so long and dark as well that it kind of. Um, it focuses our stories away from our 
high mythology you know from our yeah. gods our gods are very much about uh, life and birth and, and yeah, yeah renewal yeah um, I have I the Calicut winter of course but yeah. yeah but she kind of overshadows everything else when you get into very late winter yeah when, when she's getting ready to pass the baton on yeah. you know what I mean herself and, and Bridget have this kind of like duality this kind of symbiosis this relationship between the two of them Definitely, but you don't really think about the Dagda and about Lou and about Darug, uh, really in in the depths of winter. No, and I mean Bridget is a fairly, I would say confusing character, but I've always been just very accepting of the confusion and the muddiness around the Christian and the pre-Christian versions of Bridget. Has one inspired the other? Are they one and the same? Yeah. Like Christianity's great at hopping on the back of stuff. Oh, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's good marketing, though. Yeah, goddess of the hearth and forge. You know, when you live in in Ireland, uh, you know, uh, a hearth or a forge or a fire is very important. Yeah. Not just for a religious festival, but all year round. You know, keeping uh, keeping the range on all year round is important. Yeah. You know, it's it's all that we've kind of stepped away from that. The idea of the hearth and the home because everyone's like on their phones and. Set in separate rooms, but you didn't have the options when you live in a room that you eat, sleep, and bathe in. <laughs> when you go into like bathe in the river, I suppose it's made Dublin a bit of a cleaner city. All right, that not everybody is lighting six fires in their house anymore. But fair, <laughs> I will be though. I mean, yeah, for I mean, Bridge Day. This is this one is uh, obviously we've come through Bridge Day at this stage, but mm-hmm. planting the seeds. I'll be lighting a fire. I'll be having a bath. Uh, she's got a great association with a bath. She, she does, her, yeah. She turned her, her her bath water into beer. Yeah, you can bottle your bath water. <laughs> <laughs> Don't use this to promote your other page, Bobby. <laughs> but she does, I mean, there's a lot of questions, or not questions, again, people just tend to accept stuff about the uh, parentage of the Bridget's. Yes. Um, um, you know, there's one like, you know, there's a pagan chieftain is her father who on the deathbed she'd made the cross. But no. we see Bridget, the goddess, yeah. being one of the uh, daughters of the Dagda. Yes. Well, she uh, that metaphor of Bridget being uh, born or passing uh, across the threshold mm. is, is very appropriate because yeah. she does stand on the threshold of Christian and uh, mythological Ireland yeah. in a sense that... Uh, the she is both the daughter of the Dagda and she is the daughter of a Christian chief. Yeah. So it is, uh, it is always good to, to remember that uh, we there are multiple aspects to our own personalities. Yeah. And to our historical characters as well. Yeah. Sometimes history can put a, a finger on what exactly I don't know De Valera or Alexander the Great was like. But you know, uh, the further, uh, farther, the further you go in time, the the even more um, broken up a person's path, personality can become. Good. <laughs> That's a good thing. There's some stuff we'd rather we'd all yeah. rather leave behind. It is true. Um, but we've been speaking about the Dagda now, and we uh, as Bridget's father, and what a father he must have been. He's a, he's a father to us all. Because there is a, again, it's very cloudy when it comes to who's actually blood related to who. Oh because yeah, the Irish way yeah. was like, "You're in my home, you're my child." Oh yeah, the yeah. the 
Cool Colin is a classic example again of uh, who's who's your dad again? <laughs> yeah. You wanted to say who's your daddy. Just yeah. <laughs> we could do an entire episode of who's, who's your who's daddy? Who's your daddy? Um, is it Lula father or is it someone else? You know. Yeah. Um, but so, the dad is father to all. Yeah. He's the good god. The good god is right, and the the foster fa- because of the f- fosterage system in Ireland, he's also some a lot of the foster father to a lot of people. Uh, his probably his most troublesome child is of course Angus Og. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, the, tr- the troublemaker <laughs> who, who stole his home. <laughs> yeah, but I mean he was probably going to get it anyway just after the doctor was dead. Yeah. He cashed in a little bit early on that. But um, we're, t- we're talking around the Dagda now. Yes. And I think if we went into uh, our story from the uh, lovely Lenny, we, uh, we can, uh, we can uh, draw forth uh, more inspiration and you can learn a great deal more. Set long ago in Ireland, there took place a great battle, the second of its kind of Mortuga, taking place between the two Hithadanan and their long-time enemies of Ireland, the Fomorians. You might call these the great giants of Ireland. And these great warriors, they began to hear tell that the Dagda had in his possession a wonderful and enchanted harp. The Dagda would play his harp when the men of the two of the Danon were heading off into a great battle or a great war. His playing, it'd make them forget all about their fear, all about their worry, all about their sadness ahead. And they would charge into battle thinking of nothing but glory and victory. And at the end of a day's fighting, he would play for the warriors who'd survived the great battles as they would walk down the road home. And the music of the harp, it would make them instantly forget their grief and their sorrows of their fallen men in battle and think only of the glory days. Now, the Fomorians decided to themselves it would be of tremendous loss, not only to the Tuha, but the Dagda himself, if they could get hold of this marvellous harp and stop the Dagda from using it. So, while the battle was raging, and his home was unguarded, a few Fomorian warriors crept in, and at the dead of night, they stole the Dagda's harp away. The men so frightened, they fled as fast and as far as they could. They took their wives, their children, all trace of anything of them with them in fear. But you see, they hoped that their own armies would win the battle. But you see, the Fomorians, they had somebody quite terrible on their side. Balor of the evil eye, thinking, well, of course they're going to win the battle. But as we know, nothing's ever certain in war. So the Fomorians took refuge in the deserted old castle, somewhere in the countrysides of Ireland, while they wait for news. And as they did, as a sign of near victory, they would hang the Dagda's harp on the wall. Before too long, 
the defeated remains of their own army began to trickle down all the roads towards them and they knew their side had lost the battle but they consoled themselves with the fact they had taken one of the Dagda's greatest treasures and made sure that they stood between the door and the harp at all times in case anyone came to retrieve it. When the two of the Danon arrived home from the battle, a great celebration would take place, singing and dancing, and they called for the Dagda to play a song upon his harp for the victory of the day. And it's then they find that the harp is missing. The Dagda stands up and in a low, deep, bellowing voice says, Who will come with me to find my harp? Now, Lua the Long Arm stands up straight away, and Oma the Archer as well, two fine members of the two of the Danon, and they volunteer to help the Dagda find the harp. And they set out, they're travelling the length and breadth of Ireland all across the countryside in search of the remains of the Fomorian army. And eventually, they stumble upon these deserted remains of a castle. And they can see remnants of the Fomorian camps. And they see all the men asleep. And they look and see that the harp is hanging on the wall. The warriors gently sleeping greatly outnumbered the three of the two of the Danon. But you see the Dagda. He stretches out his arm and he calls to his harp in a low, chesty hum. And the harp, it springs off the wall straight into the Dagda's hands. And the Fomorians, they wake up at the sound. They draw their weapons to advance on the three men. But Lou whispers to the Dagda, I think you'd better play your harp. And the Dagda struck the strings and called out the music of mirth. And in spite of themselves, the Pomorians, they began to laugh. They're laughing so hard, their faces blue and swollen, that the weapons in their hands, they slip out as they begin to dance. But when the music stops, they snatch up the weapons again. They begin to advance on the three men. And again they say, I think you better play your harp. And this time, the Dagda struck the strings he called forth the music of grief. And all the Fomorians, they began to weep. The children began to howl. The men hiding their faces in their cloaks so that no one would see these streams, these howls of tears down their faces. But of course, again, when the music stopped, they took up their weapons. And then the Dagda, he struck the string of his harp so gently, so softly. It seemed that it did not make a sound. But he brought forth the music of sleep and meditation. And the Fomorians, they struggled to keep an eyelid even open between all of them. And every last one fell deep down onto the ground in a cold and deep slumber. Lu, Ogma and the Dagda left. They stole away and it was said that never again 
was the harp of the Dagda ever stolen. My God, what what an what an epic tale featuring such larger than life characters and and armies of of giants, yeah. really, quite literally, um, and it told in such an inimitable way by uh, by Lenny. There, uh, it's a story I've heard a few times um, over the years, uh, but never quite in that fashion. No, no, I told it on a live on an Instagram live. Back in the back in the days of lockdown party, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot, I, I just there's a lot of violence and death in mine. Gets a bit bloodier, but I love when Lenny tells a story, especially when Lenny's come, like is, is doing a new story for her. You know, as in like she's heard it, she knows it, but yeah. when she starts telling the story, it's got that kind of um, enthusiasm. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we can all lose after you know telling a story a thousand times. Yeah, well, I suppose I. I tend to, when I tell the story, I tend to emphasise the darkness and the contrast of dark and light between the yeah. Fomorians and the Tuatha Dé that the Fomorians are the, the violent, sensual, dark types and the, like the, um, uh, what's, uh, like the pinhead, you know, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, Hellraiser yeah. characters and the Tuatha Dé are the, the uh, rational, uh, reasonable um but sure, surely in, in any great battle, in any war between two peoples, both sides think they're right. Both sides think they're like they're trying to achieve something. Yes. You know what I mean? They, they justify themselves. So I'm sure all these stories exist in a flipped version of it when it wasn't, wasn't a dag to awful. Yeah. The, for the Fomorians, I suppose, the Balor, uh, when you're talking about Balor, you have to really think about your... Think of... Someone who is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Uh, but they are powerful for one reason, because their their magic eye gives them the ability of life and death over anyone they look at. Yeah. And so in their head, the thing that they are most afraid of is death. Because yeah. it is it is also the tool which they use to control Ireland and to rule it with an iron fist. So it's all about, for the Fomorians then, it becomes all about uh, control holding on to life and holding on to what you own uh, with with a death grip and controlling and uh, not sharing and not working for and something. taxing the shite out yeah. of everyone else. But the taxing of it and the getting um, uh, brezzy <laughs> or yeah, yeah, yeah. breast uh, to, to do their dirty work for them is, um, is, again, it's about greed and it's about control and it's about owning everything. Yeah, it's a stop. It's a st- You're taxing those people, not because they needed what they were taking, yeah. but it was to stop them from building up their own wealth and their own power. Yeah. Keep them in the position that they're in, you know. Um, but then to come along and be nicking like the tagged as harp, that's not on. No, no. Because no. there was a symbolism within that. Oh, definitely. It is, it is very much a, a statement of, war this is this yeah. is this is we're ready to go all out you don't do that on it's not a it's not a college prank it's but not. it is very reminiscent of the whole <laughs> idea of like you know stealing the mascot yeah stealing <laughs> sean the sheep from the village of yeah, oh, bosco was was uh was kidnapped <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the puppet that was bosco being taken away yeah yeah it's what 
it is very much a statement of war. You don't do that unless you're you're ready for war and you're yeah. you're pretty angry. Um, it is interesting that uh, you know they've stolen it, but they, they can't use it. Yeah. Well, it's it's about leveling the playing field. I mean, how do you compete with someone who can just put you all to sleep with a few L strums of their instruments? You know. Yeah. <laughs> there just isn't there's nothing you can do it's like when you see like within like kind of comic book books you know what I mean if someone's super powered or hyper powered yeah. what do you do like yeah as well when your other when your other implement uh, gives you the ability to feed everyone that you could yeah. a uh, you could feed the whole population of Ireland yeah so then nobody's going to rise up against you if you can feed no, everybody yeah and if and if anybody does rise up against you, all you you have a, a harp that uh, will put them all to sleep. A nap after a good feed, though. Paul. Is, <laughs> yeah. there, is there yeah. anything better? There's some, yeah. In one way, it's very high politics, but in another way, it's quite very Irish as well. Yeah. About let's have let's go for a, a bit of a snooze after eating a bit of stew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he usually he gets them riled up. He's a great leader, and again, you're not going to get challenged. If you're that good a leader, no, no, no. Yeah, um, until you eventually die. And there, there is another aspect of uh, of the Dagda that I would be um, that uh, if there are children listening, tune out. Yeah, <laughs> um, or don't and learn something. <laughs> that uh, there are uh, what is called in my geography class. Uh, I seem to recall an esker. You know the little. The lines that are left behind by some glacier oh, yeah, waters yes, yes. that run through the country and they're quite straight and they look like someone has dragged something across I the know countryside. Exactly where you're going with this? Yeah, and the one of the folk tales is that essentially they're there because that's where the Dagdan dragged his lad across the countryside. His, his, not his appendage, not his son. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. um, his his um, his phallic member. Yeah, yeah. It's, you can say penis on a podcast, given <laughs> the context of what we're saying. But there is that because the whole thing of like no one ever left his side unsatisfied. Yeah. And that large club that he carried that gave life at one end. Yeah. You know what I mean? We know what people are, are actually saying. But one of the things I love about the Dagda, he, he's very human. I mean, right. with, with paganism, we see the divine in everything. Yes. He was no more special yeah. than anyone else. And he didn't really go around claiming to be, but he was very comfortable with saying, I don't know. And going yeah. and seeking counsel from the great women of Ireland. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they're there aren't that many unconsensual stories about him. Thank God. No, he's, he's pretty sound. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, people tried to ridicule him and like the imagery that was put out about him where people who had an agenda to yeah. kind of like cast aspersions or doubt on him, make him seem oafish and that with his little short tunic. Yes, um, I can't cover his, yeah. Yeah. Um, it could have been a very long tunic and it still would have struggled. Right? <laughs> from, from what I've learned. Yeah. But he is a very human He's a very human character. And in a way, Zeus is, when you think about Zeus or, or Jupiter, or you really, you think about the father figure who is there to discipline the child. Yeah. That they're there to keep it. And they are a little bit hypocritical because their own lives aren't perfect either. Yeah. And really Zeus and Jupiter rule through power and control but whereas the Dagda seems to rule through love uh, yeah he's, he's nurturing he's teaching he's that's my that's my, yeah. my, my my image of him 
when the story of the Dagda's porridge, you know, when the yeah. Fomorians learn he loves porridge, and so <laughs> he, but he is invited around. He's, he's part of a, essentially a diplomatic thing, really, yeah. and he has to eat the porridge. Mm. But then they fill it with with excrement and every everything kind of a thing. Gets thrown into e- everything and uh, for the sake of Ireland, for the sake of peace, he eats it all. Yeah, you know that's. Uh, that's very different to some of the other uh, father gods or the heads of the pantheons oh, yeah. in other countries, you know. And it is, you're right, you're dead right when you say that he is more human. Yeah. Yeah. More likable, more approachable, I suppose. And, and that, that's one of my favourite things about, about our gods is they, they walk the same land as everyone else. They eat, they sleep, they breathe. They, in the Dagda's case, they make sweet, sweet love. Uh-huh. Um and, and and they're good examples because it's 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 attainable it's achievable to be like that you can yeah. look after your people around you you know yeah. i don't know about forging eskers or anything like that but but we we can be like them and that makes it something that's uh, that's easy to get our heads around an important thing to remember about him as well is that shortly after this scene he's he loses his son he loses his son at um, the green on all looking Donegal, yeah. all um Cian, he um, his son dies uh, and he builds a temple in Donegal to yeah. his son basically and the, the son is that temple there in Donegal degree and on Orlok is the only son orientated temple really yeah. in, in, in Ireland of its like most, we don't get much of it though we don't that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's very true but uh, most uh, temples in, in Ireland are lined up to the winter equinox yeah. it is lined up to the summer one and the O'Neills if there's any O'Neills out there listening uh, their family came out of that sun temple in Donegal yeah. and they're all shysters <laughs> <laughs> the O'Neills do get a hard time they do they, yeah, do yeah. they do but it's a, it's a lovely part of the world and I yeah. recommend you visit I've always wanted to fly into Donegal it's meant to have one of the most beautiful landing strips yes it spits out into the sea and it's a uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I hope to get up there this year and yeah. take a look at it. Schlieve League is very nice as well, I'm told. I'd love to see that. Field trip? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's, do it. <laughs> Let's go. It's one of the things as well, looking forward to the better weather parties. We're going to be doing another beach day this year. Yes. Yeah. 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 We, that we was great we... fun the last time out in... Uh, we couldn't go very far because of restrictions, but we went somewhere very nice. Yeah, there's ways to enjoy enjoy what you have around you. Well, coming back to the Dagda just for a moment there, you know, because this is a story about his harp. And I think what he achieved with his harp is something you can achieve with storytelling as well. Put Again, people to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I've done bedtime stories. Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, true. when it's intentional, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. We've all had someone doze off in the fairy hill of the museum when we're telling stories. Yeah, they've usually had a couple of jars. Yeah. <laughs> or they're just really old, like your age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the Dagda's club then as well. But again, he just the things he achieved with them were just... Not too. I mean, he didn't fly. No. No, he no. didn't do anything too wild. He just he was a good musician by the sounds of it, and yeah. he knew how to like you. You get a good rebel tune going, party, and everyone's ready for a war. You know. But that's the one thing that carries on. Not uh, not a lot carries over between the high mythology and the the nineteenth century stuff. You know, mm. the the characters in the nineteenth century are very different. Yeah. from the stuff in the in the high mythology but one thing that does carry over is the irish have always appreciated glickus intelligence yeah you know that it is uh the 
the harp is a savvy weapon. It yeah. is. A, it is a kind of weapon that isn't, you know, it isn't a thunderbolt. It's not going to fry everybody no. within a hundred mile radius. It's, uh, it's, it's just putting them to sleep. Yeah. It's quite savvy. It's a bit of glickus. It's a bit of intelligence, and the Irish have always prized that above all else. Yeah, if someone outsmarts you, it's hard to be annoyed. <laughs> it is. I was like, ah, it you is. clever clogs. Yeah. Fair play. I see what you did there, yeah. and I respect you for that. Uh. And it happens again when we see him being uh, tricked out of his home by Angus. Yes, that's true. That's true. So the um, Fomorians return uh, f- uh, many years later, uh, led by a, a high priestess, and they, they set up a cult in County Sligo. Um, it, it to Cromdov, the the crouching darkness, and it is uh, well according to uh, the chroniclers, it is a it is human sacrifice that is performed yeah. there, uh, but it isn't the it isn't the Dagda anymore because the Dagda of course has has, has moved on. It, yeah. it is now hu- the human's responsibility to put an end to yeah. to to what's going on in County Sligo. Still is to this no. day. Yeah, it, it it still is to this day, but yeah, that was it. It was interesting because it was a more violent time. Yeah, that that sometimes what we think of our stories coming from the past is that they're going to come from a, a time that is worse than we live in now. But if you look very closely at the mythology, the the Dagda dealing with the Fomorians with his harp. Yeah, was a lot less violent than what the humans had to go through in on the plane of Magschlecht in County Sligo. Well, maybe it's because we eat, sleep and breathe this. Like, but we, that, we, That's something that comes up in conversation between the storytellers and the museum all the time. Again, throwing back to how family units were, were, were viewed, how women were viewed. I mean, we look at the story of the death of King Fergus and Bebo's autonomy over her own body and her relationship with her yeah. husband. I, I think we've fallen yeah. We've had we've not exactly soared since the passing of these 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 great um, these great leaders. So our, our our final word for for today's podcast is is a point that we've possibly made many times before, but there is there is little nuggets of gold in in these in these old stories, and that it is worth looking at them, even stories that might be as obscure, pretty obscure to the. Uh, average Joe on the street like the Dagda's harp because you never know what you're going to find. Yeah, F- very wise party. Very Aww, wise. Should have you, you in the doll. <laughs> I, I, I feel at the oh, moment no. we're being we're being, our country is being led by the Fomorians, and it's time for uh, it's fine fi- time for uh, the uh, the new party to form under the Dagda. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real pleasure to to talk to you today, uh, Marco Giron. I was Paddy Holly. This was Talking Stories. Uh, is there anything you want to chip in before we finish up? Not off? a thing. I'm perfectly satisfied. A, sn- a nap now would do the world a good. As I say, I was Paddy Holly. This was Talking Stories. And you were very, very good listeners. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.